Hey, welcome back to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate podcast. We are here with episode 40. We're going to talk about the state of the market. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm here with Tom. We're going to switch things up a little bit today and I'm putting him in the hot seat. Oh, it's hot here. It's hot here in Arizona and I'm not talking about the temperature. <laughs> that too though. It yeah. is also hot. It's actually yeah. kind of cool today. It's a little it's rainy. Nice. We got a little overcast, a little cooler, yeah. maybe some well-deserved rain. We For definitely sure. need some. Um, all right. So I guess let's jump right in. Yeah, absolutely. First question. Yeah. Where do you see inventory going right now? Well, it's interesting. About five and a half months ago, I made it a, a purpose of mine to track where our inventory was. And about five and a half months ago, we had about 660 single family homes for sale in all of Tucson. Wow. That's normally, not a lot. <laughs> no, normally we have 6,600. So we had 10% of the amount of inventory that we normally have. So what does that mean? Overpriced offers. 20, 25 offers on a well-priced house, things of that nature. Now we're at about 2,600 homes on the marketplace. So we're close to about 50% of where our normal average is. And so what we're starting to see is more homes coming on the market, more inventory for the buyers to look at, and buyers taking a little more time. That's great news. Yes. For so buyers. They, yeah, because, you know, you're especially if you're a first-time home buyer, you come in with a real estate agent and he says, oh, yeah, well, let's put your Speedos on because we're going to run out, we're going to write <laughs> offers, and we're going to write five or six offers and try and get a house, you know, and you write five or six offers and none of them get accepted, right? We're getting close, and I really like this because it gives the first-time home buyer a little bit of a chance to get a house where we're going to take a little bit of time, we're going to set up the appointment, we're going to go look at it when it fits your schedule as the buyer. You don't have to take off of work to go look at a house. Um, you're going to be able to walk in it, feel it, touch it, smell it, you know, kind of place your furniture or maybe where where I'm not placing my furniture. It's like, now nah, this house, I, and there's another one to go to. So it's better for the first-time home buyer. Then the first-time home buyer is, is able to breathe, mm. okay? So as a real estate agent... It sounds contradictory, but I'm <laughs> glad the market is slowing up a little bit because our clients, the buyers, have time to look and get the right house versus having to get something. Maybe it doesn't click all the boxes, right? right? Now, for the sellers, I'm going to tell you right now, I sit down and present 9, 12 offers. A seller who hasn't sold a house in 8 to 10 years, it's like, what in the heck? This is crazy. Their brains are frying. You see smoke coming out of their ears. You know, women that didn't have perms by the end of the night have a perm. <laughs> They're just freaked out. Yeah. And I think sellers, if they had their druthers, would rather look at one or two offers that are great and say, let's take this one. So as a realtor, do you present or make your recommendation when you're seeing, when you're presenting 12 offers, like, do you maybe take the top 10 and say, or the top five and say, here's my recommended top five, like, let's look at them and then we'll review the rest of them. Or how do you, how do you present 12 or some listings that have had 72 offers, right? Yeah. And I know those exist. Yes, and I know do. that there's agents that literally present every single 72 offers. 
Right. All 72. And as a as the client, I would be like, just tell me which one to go Exactly. <laughs> and, and a lot of our clients do that. What we try to do and what we're supposed to do is present every offer. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes a client will direct us and say, look, it, I only want to look at the offers that are over asking price. Right. Okay. Now, not every... Not every home gets over asking price, okay? But in a scenario they don't. where no, <laughs> contrary to popular belief, but in a in a scenario of a well priced house, you're going to get you know a lot of offers over right. asking price, right? So then you ask the seller, okay, what's important to you? Knowing your seller's needs when you're representing the seller is very important, okay? Also, when you represent the buyer, you want to know to the buyer, I mean, realistically, if you wrote an offer and you missed it by $1,000, would you be upset, Mr. Buyer? Well, yeah. Would you have gone over? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, okay. Why don't we go up, you know, another $1,000, right? right? And then you keep yeah. doing that. You walk them up until they make their best possible offer. Right. Because in this, you know, in, in, during this period of time, you should really be putting forth your best offer when there are competing offers, okay? So to answer your question, I try and present every offer, but when we have too many offers, and some of them are below asking price, the seller says, don't show me those right now, I just want to, I just want to sh see these. But we have to be directed by the seller. Right. So it's great to have, as I said before, the relationship with the seller knowing what they want. Or, yeah, a seller that knows what they want. Yes, yeah, that's exactly. hard when they don't. And when you're when you're interviewing to work with a seller, these are questions you should be asking sure. in, in today's market. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What is most important to you? Yeah, and it may not be money. Mm -hmm. It may be I need to rent back for four months because yeah. I'm building a house right. and it's not going to be done because they're delayed. They promised me in September, but it's not getting done to the end of November <laughs> because the stucco guys can yeah. come where there's 12 weeks for the windows you sound like to you're be done. From experience, yeah, <laughs> that's another broadcast. <laughs> Um, okay, so you kind of touched, my next question I wanted to ask you is going to be like number of offers that you're seeing and maybe what the difference is and what they were. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but maybe just recap the difference in how many offers you're seeing on listings right now. Yeah. And so it depending, and, and that's a, you know, a loaded question, obviously depending, but where the house was originally priced, okay? Now, statistically, for the last 40 years I've been in business, the general public is usually six months behind of what's actually happening in the marketplace. Okay. So we're starting to see sellers still trying to reach for the moon on their properties. So those houses, if they haven't sold in the first 17 days, they are by definition overpriced because the average days on market right now are 17 days okay so they are overpriced they were reaching for the stars i try never to pick the sale price i present the these are what's sold in the area mr and mrs seller what would you like to sell your house mm -hmm. for it's not really for me to pick the price it's more my sellers deciding what they want to accept. And you give them the information to make right. an educated decision. Exactly. Just like the buyers. I don't tell the buyers what to write. It's not my job to right. do that because then I own it. And mm -hmm. it's not my job. I want them to own whatever they're at. So if they miss it by a thousand bucks, they missed it by a thousand bucks. If they overpaid by a thousand bucks because the next offer was a thousand less. At least they got their house. They got their house. <laughs> That's what I say, right? Yeah. So we're starting to see where we were getting 10 to 15 offers on houses, now we're getting three to five offers. Wow. Yeah. See, we're seeing more, as I talked to you before, about the inventory on the market, 2,600 homes. We're going to eventually get back to the 66 on average, 100 homes uh, for sale on the market. We'll get back to the two to three months worth of time on the market, but that's going to take a little bit more time. So we're 
if you're thinking about selling your home or you're thinking about buying your home, it's not as crazy out there as it used to be. So what do you think, what affects that? Like, because I was thinking that maybe it had something to do with summer, with people moving during the summer, with school not being in session, taking advantage of, you know, the kids not being in school, whatever, if you're going to move. So, but now it's like school's starting for some from some areas for some school districts and have already started and is now starting for others. Right. So like what, what affects that? So there are several things that affect um, the amount of offers you're getting on the house and the price that you're getting on the house. Okay. okay. To me, the number one determining factor is the condition of your home. Okay. The better your home condition, the more likely you are to get an over asking price if you're priced right to begin with. As an example, we recently list a home and I thought we were on the high end of the listing. And I told the sellers that I says, you know, we're at the high end of the listing, but your house is so beautiful. You could and literally spill the food on the floor and you could still eat off yeah, it because yeah, yeah. it was probably as clean as our plates, right? There wasn't a thing wrong with this house. We had seven offers, it ended up selling for about 12% over the list price, Wow. okay? And the buyers waived their appraisal. Nice. Okay, now that's not always something to do, but they were coming in with a smaller uh, amount to be borrowed, as you know, loan to value. So they didn't really, the bank waived that need for the appraisal. Um, same type of house, in well, a let's different touch area, on that real quick. Good. Yeah. The appraisal waiver, because it's not, they're not really waiving the appraisal. They're waiving the contingency yes. for appraising at value. Correct. And I think that's something that yeah. not everybody understands. So I just figured I'd interject no, and plug and on that real quick. Sometimes we use nomenclature yeah. that, that the general public doesn't understand. And I'd understand. say most agents, most contracts that I'm seeing where the appraisal is waived, there is a, a cap to what they're willing to waive it up to. So yeah. like up to a $5,000 difference in the appraised value and purchase price. We still get some of those, but this was, yeah. in this sense, it was a total wow. waiver of the appraisal. So they wanted that house no matter they, what. They wanted it because it was perfect, you know? <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, there was nine people that were over asking price that didn't get the house, right? But it was because the house was in such great perfect. condition. Clean, everything was taken care of ahead of time. There was another home similar, same square footage in that, that sold for, uh, I think, 11% less than ours sold for wow. the same square footage. So what does an appraiser do? How does an appraiser do that, right? I'm, what I'm trying to share with you is the answer to your question that when the house is in great condition, you can expect a very quick sale on your house. If you're trying to, if you're trying to sell a pig that's dressed up with lipstick on it, ain't happening anymore. Yeah. It was when we only had, let's say 660 homes, but now that we have almost four times as many homes on the market, that Which is still half of what we should have. Still <laughs> half of what we should have. It's starting to slow down. So that's yeah. currently what's happening in the marketplace from the real estate side of it. I like it. So let's switch the tables here. Okay, and here we go. And let me ask you a back couple in my questions. Zone. Yeah, back in, so you can be the, the guru of, yeah. of answers. So Sienna, we all we all heard that you guys were bombarded with refis, yes. right? Where are we in that state, and how is that affecting, let's say, uh, the time for appraisals? and your response time from the underwriters yeah. to the what I'm going to call a conventional buyer. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think refis have slowed down quite a bit. There was a period of time where like 
more than half of what I was doing was refis. Oh, wow. um, and, and, and that was only like a couple of months where it was just so much refis. And so the, what we did as a company, we made the decision to prioritize purchases as far as underwriting, right? right. So to answer that underwriting question, we didn't want to hurt our purchase underwriting timeframe because we're bombarded with with refinances. And so not that the refinances aren't important, but it like these other ones are in a contract. Refinances, they already have a place where they're living. Right. They're not like, it's not a do or die. There's no contract situation. So we're still getting it done in a reasonable expected timeframe, um, but had to make sure underwriting was in a good time frame for our purchase business. So that slowed down quite a bit. Um, and But I also am starting to see it pick back up again. So there was a, uh, a fee that was added to conventional refinances um, that was added across the board for all refinances over a certain loan amount. And that fee was has now come off again. So it was like, it was on and now it's off. So I think that's kind of sparking some people who may have gotten that information like, oh, well, this fee has gone. When it was, it was just kind of there, you know what I mean? Like nobody really saw the fee per se, but so I think that sparked some more interest as well as interest rates are still absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great time to refinance, especially if you're, if you have an interest rate that's over 4%, it's probably, you know, definitely talk to your lender or me. So I, I've been hearing hey everyone, we want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams, Southern Arizona franchise. Also, we are licensed realtors practicing equal housing. Now let's get you back to the podcast. Uh, things and people have been mistaking refinances for home equity lines, right? right? HELOCs is the, you know the term that we use. Yeah. Are you starting to see a pickup in um, home equity lines of credit by the millennials? I you know I don't originate HELOCs. Okay. I used to before in my in my banking days, but. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I we have some HELOCs that we use sometimes if we're doing like avoiding a jumbo loan or yeah. something. But I don't, I don't actually originate HELOCs, not okay. yet. Um, we might add that to our portfolio. I know we were working on it pre-COVID, but um, I, I don't know that information. I can't. Okay. I, I think HELOCs are a great tool to have. Personally, I tell plenty of clients that. Sometimes that's a better option for them. Like I'm always going to look at what's in their best interest. Correct. So if, if a HELOC makes the most sense for what they need, then that's where I'm going to direct them to. Okay. So let's let's also talk about um, borrowing more or less. So I, let me phrase this. Are you starting to see that the what we use in the industry is loan to value? Are you starting to see that shrink where the people have more money for the down payment and they're not borrowing as much? Or are you seeing it stay steady? Or are you seeing people borrowing more because the value of the houses have gone up? Um, I think my average loan amount has probably increased. I haven't okay. I haven't done the math and the numbers to find out what the average is. My recommendation, because money is so cheap to borrow right now, is it makes more sense to put less down 
because it's cheaper to borrow that money and then you can do other stuff with your cash, your liquidity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or have a safety cushion. Right. So if somebody is like debating on whether to put down 15 or 20% or 10 or five, or you know what I mean? I'm going to show them all of those options. So if the payment is comfortable for them putting down less, it makes sense to put down less and then put your money to work in other places. In today's current market. In today's current market, yeah. right. And right. then that's not always the case. Right. Um, so there's still plenty of people that are still putting down 20%. And I think in some cases that helps their offer be stronger, right? Yep. Because yep. then if they are waiving that appraisal contingency, the seller knows that they have the ability then to pay that difference, right? right? Because they're putting a large down payment and we can make up for it in other ways. So sometimes it's actually ends up being less money out of pocket for the buyer in those circumstances. So there's a lot of scuttlebutt, obviously in our industry right now, there's a lot of scuttlebutt about um, other brokerages um, where you can go online to get a brokerage. And, and, you know, I, I have my opinion on that, but I'll leave that off of this uh, podcast because we're sure. not discussing it. But <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question. What about these internet lenders? Now, we don't want to speak bad of them, obviously, because everybody you know serves a need. They serve a client. They serve a niche, right? But what are some of the things that maybe the buyers should be aware of when they're dealing with an internet lender, somebody like say not in the state or not even in the city, okay? Which most of the times they're not. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I'm not, again, I hear me clearly public, I'm not saying that they are bad people. Just what, as a, as a local lender who's there when you pick the phone up and can be there and meet and have coffee with your client if you need to, what are some of the things they should be careful of with internet lenders? Well, I think you just explained the difference. Um, <laughs> but Too you much know, of a leading question. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, things to be aware of with online lenders, what I've seen at least is is the pre-quals, the pre-qualifications or the pre-approvals that they're giving are pretty empty. Okay. You know, they're not there. If I'm a seller and this is the prequel that I'm looking at, I don't trust this prequel. And I can, I know, I know as a lender who's spoken to the borrower after they've already gotten this prequel that the, they haven't even sent that online lender any documentation. So they're writing a prequel saying that they're pre-approved based off of verbal information, right? So that that gets me back to the loans back in 2006 and 7 on a handshake, yeah. on a handshake yeah, the ninja loans <laughs> yeah. and the no doc loans, right? Right. And that and led to the collapse. Surprisingly, I, I mean I don't know that those led to the collapse. I think there was a lot of things, but that had a big part of it is is loans are being originated for somebody right now, the loan that they're putting them in, they can qualify for with the expectation that it's going to change. They know that. And then they, they won't qualify for it unless their circumstances change. Um, but you know, there's all kinds of rules and regulations to prevent that from happening now. Um, but yeah, it's like eventually they're going to collect these documentation when they're underwriting the loan, but to be accepting an offer on something that you don't even have where the lender has said, I've, checked their pay stubs, I've seen their down payment, I know that they're good, they're strong, like I've done all of this stuff, and they're just writing a prequel or stating it, and there's no, there's no, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, documentation. I mean, there's yeah. no there's there's no confirmation that this loan will actually be good. Okay. And so for a consumer, I would I would warn them that they may not be getting the most information that or the best information from that lender. Um, that that lender is not local most of the time. They don't understand the local environment. They don't know how to fill out the local the Arizona. Oh forms. my gosh! Yes. Um, that also they're, they, it, I, I find it to be a bit misleading when okay. I'm looking at the rates that they're quoting them and, and then I don't think that it actually comes to fruition. Okay. Um, but it, it's, it's frustrating and it's challenging for a local lender to be competing with an online lender because really what sets us apart is the service that you're going to receive. They may be, um, flaunting a slightly better interest rate, but is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to know, to be curious whether your loan's going to close? Like yeah. to know whether they're going to get the people out there. Um, you know, ultimately if the best rate is 100% the only thing you're concerned about, then maybe you need to go with an online lender. Right. But most of the time it's not going to be worth it. It's like anything that's discounted like that. Is it really worth it? Probably not. So mama mama used to tell me you get what you paid for. For right? sure, 100%. One of the things I used to say is if you're okay with using the brain surgeon who finished in the bottom <laughs> one third of the class, don't complain about the stutter you have when he's exactly. done, right? No. Exactly. Or she's done. No. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Or like plastic surgery. Like, are no. you going to go to the cheapest plastic surgeon you can find? No. Probably As not. As you can see, I have <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. You know, uh, like that's serious. You got to, you want to, you want to, it's a big investment, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and for it to be a happy experience, it's already stressful. You know, it's the biggest purchase some, most people are ever going right. to make. And so it's a stressful time frame, and to have somebody who you cannot get a hold of, or maybe you find the perfect house and there's seven offers on it already, and your yeah. lender, that lender is not available, it's right. like you're gonna lose that house. And then you've got me coming in last minute, like we've got to put an offer in on this house right now, and so now I'm pre-qualifying you over like within 30 minutes just to get that out. So yeah. it rushes me, it rushes you, it rushes everybody. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. All it's right. not a good look. Well, Sienna, thanks a lot. Um, Thank you. I'll let you sign off. <laughs> um, so we're signing off. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. And um, yeah, this was fun being, being the interviewer instead of the interviewee. But we will see you next time. Hey, thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty Podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team. If you are thinking about buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, please reach out to us. We are local here in Tucson, Arizona, but we are also connected to over 4,000 agents across the US. So again, looking to buy, sell, or invest in your hometown, reach out to us and let us connect you.